started. Judges chapter 2. Um, if you remember, last week we started talking about uh, culture and the Bible. All right, And one of the things that we talked about is there's a decline. And that's the picture that we have um, up, on, up on the video when we first start. There's a decline in the... The effect, I should say, that the scripture has on a culture, right? So we start off uh, dealing with the fact that the culture is going to reflect biblical values. Uh, the next generation, uh, they might tolerate those biblical values. Um, you know, one of those things, we, we've mentioned this before. When I grew up, no business was open on Sundays, right? Um, and that was that was part of this. Even though it was a false teaching about, you know, Sunday's the Lord's Day and all that stuff and uh, Sabbath and you shouldn't do any work. And, of course, that was for the nation of Israel, but for us, that's a completely different thing. But it was a biblical value that businesses would not be open on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Now, we're down to the part where Sunday is the rest day because, you know, growing up, growing up, what would happen is, Monday through Friday, you'd go to school, you'd go to work, right? Saturday, um, Saturday's the day that you would kind of mow your yard, do stuff like that, and, and rest up a little bit. And then Sunday's the day you went to church. Well, <clears throat> what, what's happened now is Sunday's the rest day to get ready for the next week. Or Sunday's become not just our business is open, which, you know, if businesses want to be open on a Sunday, that's fine. Sunday's not a special day. Um, but what we have to do is set aside a day for us to come and meet. Now, we've talked about some things going on with that. But what Sundays now have become are that's the day that the family goes out and does things, right? Sometimes it's you go out and do stuff or it's sports, AAU basketball, AAU baseball, uh, football, all this stuff, soccer, whatever it may be, that's taking priority over on Sunday. And then Saturday is the day you kind of, let's go do something. Sunday would be a sports day, or even Saturday and Sunday would be a sports day. Um, One of the things that, you know, in 2014, uh, we created um, the Frankfurt Disc Golf Association, because I was into disc golf. I still am, just I've not played in two or three years, and I think it's starting to show in this general area (laughs) right here, Um, even more so. But when we started that, one of the things that I said was, I'm never going to do a tournament on a Saturday and a Sunday tournament, because Sunday was the Bible day, all right? That's what, that's what we set aside and said, this is what we're going to do on Sunday. We're going to either watch somebody else, or at that time we'd started meeting, and that was the morning that we met, it was Sunday morning. That day was set aside to meet together and talk about Scripture, study it together and to, to, to teach and things. And that was something that, that we chose to do. And I, I, told, I told a lot of the guys, I'm like, I'm never going to do a two-day tournament on a Saturday and a Sunday. I'm never going to do that. So if we want to do a two-day tournament, we can do one Friday night and then Saturday. I'm never going to have anything on Sunday. Not because Sunday is a special day. 
it's that was the day that I set aside, this is what we're doing. And I'm not going to have anything else take its priority. All right. Now, that was a personal decision that I made with that particular group. Um, so, you know, there's some other things we did because of that. But <clears throat> that was one of those things that, 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 that we decided or I decided that's what I was going to do. Um, and that's what we did. All right. So that's one of the reasons why we say, okay, we're going to make this day, Sunday, at 10.30 to 1 o'clock or so. What we're going to do is that time is set aside to come over here and meet, all right, with, with people. That's, that's this up here as far as our, what we do is based off biblical values, should be, right? Now, what's happened in this country is the farther and farther we've got along, less and less has the Bible or the culture reflected the Bible, all right? And we can see that. All, all through, all throughout, all kinds of places. One, obviously, like I said about um, the blue laws, where you couldn't be open on Sunday. Well, if somebody goes and changes that law, then people can be open. Well, Chick Fil A says we're not going to be open on Sunday. The reason they do that is because they say it is the Sabbath day and and all that. Now, if that's what they want to do. That's fine. They're not suffering financially. Um, I, I, everywhere you go to a Chick Fil A, it's packed all the time. But like I said, they're not, they're not going to suffer. They're, they're still selling all the time. But one of the things that we, we've talked about here is there's, there's an issue. You know, we talked about the, the spring, the summer, the fall, and the winter, right? Um, it's interesting. Last week when we talked about that, um, Juanita messaged or commented on the video She's like, well, I'm past my winter, and I'm in a second spring. Do I get a second spring? And I was like, absolutely. Yeah. From Moorhead? Moorhead, yeah. Aww. Yeah. So they all watch. I miss her. Yeah, I miss them all. Them. That's why I told her. I said, we miss you all yeah. tremendously. But um, she's like, I'm past winter. I'm over here in spring. Do I get a second spring? I was like, sure. Why not? I mean, if you make it around twice, then that's a, that's a win, right? Uh, but I told her, I said, you know, we, we miss them and love them. Uh, so if you're all are watching, yeah. hopefully I, I know I know most of you do. So good morning, and uh, thank you all for joining. But we talked about that, right? That cyclical that cyclical issue. Well, what's interesting is every single time you you go through this winter period, and we, you know we've talked about this and gone through this before. So this this part isn't anything new. But what happens is there's something that gets ready for that springtime where something's going to change, right? Now, what happened the last time that we, want, that we as the United States went from a winter to a spring is there's, there's, always, there's always this revival that goes along. Um, but the last one was the last time, that was the first time that the scripture wasn't part of that renewal, if you know what I mean, that revival, if you will. And so then that's why we are where we are now. All right, and as I said, and the whole issue is, we're going from one generation to the other, to the other, to the other, and so on, and it's degrading as we go through. Well, the last time, that's what we were dealing with over in Judges. Um, so 
let's take a look at um, a verse real quick, and then we'll get started. Um, <clears throat> Judges chapter 2, verse, um, verse 10. <clears throat> and also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done, for Israel. Father, we thank you for the opportunity again uh, that we have to study your word. And as we take a look at this important information and realize what's going on uh, in, in the world around us is uh, that uh, we, can, we can know what to do uh, in this particular situation. And we don't just throw our hands up and try to follow trends, but we find out what you say uh, that we should do and allow that to be the final authority in all things. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> now, one of the things that we see here is what? Joshua, uh, if we go back, if, if we had time to be able to go back uh, with Joshua, um, Joshua and his uh, generation, they served. They served the Lord. Notice um, up in verse 7 <clears throat> or verse 6. Uh, Judges 2, verse 6, And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man unto his uh, inheritance to possess the land. And the people, what? Serve the Lord. What is it that Joshua and his generation are doing is what? They're serving the Lord all the days of Joshua. And all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being an hundred and ten years old. Verse 9, And they buried him in the border of, the, of, his, of his inheritance in Timath Hares, in the, in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill Gash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. So what we see is there's some folks here with Joshua and all those that have gone on to death with them. With them. What happens is you've got this next generation that what happens? They know not the Lord. They don't know the works. And so then what we're, what we're dealing with here is there's some things that's taking place um, that I want us to be able to pay attention to and, and, and notice. Um, real quick, drop down. Uh, we, we went through this last time. Notice in verse 13, we talked about this a little bit last week and, and, and talked about it over in Jeremiah 44 and uh, some other things as well. But um, notice here verse Start here in verse verse uh, verse eleven. Um, I said verse thirteen, but verse eleven. <clears throat> Notice, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam, and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods, of the gods of the people that were round about them. Now, let's take a look at that real quick. It's interesting to me that what happens is, as you read through the first part of Judges chapter 2, what we find out is God says, I'm not going to take all these people out of your way, uh, the people of, the other, of these other nations, I'm not going to get rid of them. 
I'm going to let you go and, and live, and they're going to be what? As it says in verse 3, they shall be thorns as thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare unto you. Do you know what he's saying? You're going to have an opportunity to make a choice. I'm not going to take them out of your way, and they're going to be a snare unto you. You're going to have a choice to serve them or not. Well, what we find out is what happens is that's exactly what they do. Notice, notice there in verse uh, verse 12, And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and father followed other gods, of the gods of the people that were what? Round about them. So one of the things that I want you to think about is when, when, when they're out there and they're around these other people who are following Baal, what happens is that culture in which they live, what happens? They start following their gods. The gods of that culture that they're in, that's what happens. Now, one of the things we've talked about before, uh, one, of the, one of the big things that the, the evangelistic church out there, um, that they kind of messed up with, is they said, well... <clears throat> We're God's kingdom. The United States is now Jerusalem. The United States is the big government. That's who we should have, that's who we should go and take over the government. That's their problem. They think that the they think that the kingdom is going to take place here in the United States, and it's not. All right. I love the fact that we're we're privileged to be in the United States and live here to be able to meet and do what we're doing this morning. I love the fact that we have that. And I know that that's going to be not too long from now. We might lose that opportunity. It may not be in our lifetime. It may be in those that come after us. But <clears throat> that's something that we have to think about all the time. I praise the Lord that we have the opportunities that we have now. To be able to go and knock on doors and leave tracks and talk about stuff and be able to meet and do this stuff online. But what happens is someday that might not be here. But the other thing that I want us to think about here is what did they do? They followed after other gods. Now, you go back over to, to Exodus and God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. What was one of the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now, that, that brings up a whole bunch of other stuff. <clears throat> when, when we talked about it the last time, Remember, we had Gentiles down here, and God says, "What I'm going to give you up, give you over, over to a reprobate mind, um, to do that which is right in your own eye, basically." And He says, "I'm going to give you up to those gods." And really, what we find out, you study it out enough, and we don't have time here. But you study it out enough, and what's that is they are the fallen angels. So what they're, and it's interesting, and I've talked about this before. They're fighting each other for position up there, and there's chaos up there, and it's unclean. We're, we, when we went through the uh, Created for His Glory series, we talked about the heavens are unclean, right? They're up there fighting. Well, that's showing up down here on the earth. That's why, there's, that's why it looks like there's chaos and all this other stuff that's going on around us is because these countries are following 
their God. <coughs> now, that gets into a whole other thing. But what happens is, God tells them, says, well, I'm going to pull out from among you Abraham. All right? And I'm going to make of you a great nation. Right? He tells uh, Isaac the same thing. And he tells Jacob the same thing, right? And by the time we get over here to Joshua, it's what? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob says, there's something I'm going to be doing with this nation. And I want to show the world what it looks like to have me as their God compared to those gods down there. So we get over here, we're outside of this. What happens is what? Well, these people that God set aside, where are they? They're following these same people now. That's where we find ourselves here in Judges chapter 2. All right? And that's one of those things that I want us to be able to think about as we go through here. Notice, what are they doing? And they forsook the Lord, verse 12, the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. Now, what's, what's interesting about that is, is, you know, we're way out here. You've got uh, Moses and all this. They're, they're outside of Egypt. God done a wonderful thing with them. And what did they do? They go back here. Notice real quick. <clears throat> hold your place there in Judges 2. Um, we will come back. Go over to uh, go over to Exodus real quick. Um, go over to Exodus chapter nineteen. <clears throat> I want us to, I want us to be able to see something um, that I find I find really interesting. I want us to look at a couple things with this Exodus chapter nineteen. Um, Start off in verse 1. So Exodus chapter 19, verse 1. By the way, um, what we're about to read, God already knew was going to take place. All right? But the issue is, is what? You're going to make a decision on your own. That was one of the first four pillars that we talked about a long time ago is personal will. Will has to do with um, responsibility, and accepting some of those problems that may come because of the decisions that we make of our own free will. Notice in Exodus chapter 19, verse 1. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were, they were departed from Rephidim, and were come to the desert of Sinai, and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mount. All right, so where are we? We're outside of Egypt. They, they, they've crossed the Red Sea. They're over here. They're in the wilderness. <clears throat> Notice in verse 3, And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. By the way, what we see there is, this is what he's, what he's telling them is saying, I'm the one that brought you out, not these guys down here. Right? <clears throat> Notice verse 5. Now, therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed. Now, what voice 
is it that he's talking about is his word, right? Now, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me. Notice, above all people. So whenever we draw this chart out, that's one reason why we've got these people way up here, right? Because they're above all people. For all the earth is mine. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. All right? So what do we have? <clears throat> Moses leads them out of Egypt. They're over here in the wilderness. And God says, I want you to go tell the, the, the house of Jacob, the, the, the children of Israel, what? If you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then, sh then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto, all, unto me above all people, for the, all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which the Lord, sh which thou shalt speak unto the children of, of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and lay before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. Now, get over to chapter 20. What's he give them? The Ten Commandments, right? Notice this. Jump over to um, Exodus. Thirty-two. So during this time, God's given Moses some information about um, the Ten Commandments, the Tabernacle, uh, things like that. <clears throat> We get over here um, at the end of chapter 31, uh, notice in verse 18, it says, And he gave unto Moses when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai two tables of testimony, tables of stone, written with the finger of God. All right? So this is, <coughs> this is, for all intents and purposes, the original manuscript that God gives to Moses, that God himself writes out with the finger of God. Now what's interesting is, we could trace that. That's an interesting study in and of itself, the finger of God. You remember over in Daniel where it talks about the writing, the handwriting on the wall? So there's a phrase that people use, and that actually comes from Scripture. They say, well, you can't, you can't understand the handwriting on the wall. They actually see a hand writing on the wall. That's an amazing thing. <clears throat> but this would be the original manuscripts, if you will, that God gave to Moses. All right? <clears throat> um, Drop down to drop down to verse seven. <coughs> chapter thirty-two. Yeah. Exodus chapter thirty-two. Notice in verse well, let's start off in verse one. I forgot we didn't get that yet. <coughs> Exodus thirty-two, verse one. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, what is it? They're they're down here. They're waiting on Moses. He's up in the mountain. What do they do? They start looking at their sundials on the wrist or whatever, right? And they're like, and he's been gone for a while. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mountain, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods. Notice that's the lowercase g there, right? Which shall go before us, 
For as for, for as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we what not what is become of him. All right, so pause there real quick. What are they saying? <clears throat> they think time has gone by. There's a whole bunch of time that's gone by. Moses hasn't come back. And we don't even know what's happened to him. We don't know what's become of him. So Aaron, make us some gods that'll go before us. That's going to lead us out of this wilderness. Uh, notice in verse 2, And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons. By the way, isn't that interesting? A lot of people today are fussing and fighting about boys having their ears pierced. It was here too. That was part of the culture that they were in in Egypt. Now, <clears throat> God wants to have his ears pierced. Let him do that. Uh, I'm not say, saying that. But, and of your daughters and bring them unto me. What should Aaron have said? One, not that, right? He should have said what? There's one God, and that was the God that brought us out of Egypt. Did Aaron already know the God of Israel? Yeah. In fact, he was Moses' spokesman, and what God told Moses to say, Moses told Aaron, and Aaron told all the words that the Lord told Moses to say. So he knew him. He knew what it was, he knew who it was. But notice, he does the exact opposite of that. Notice verse 3. And all the people break off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron. <clears throat> and he received them in their hand, and fashioned it with a graving tool, after he had made it a molten calf, and said, These be thy gods, O Israel. Do you know what they're doing? They're worshiping these guys right down here. That the Gentiles are worshiping. Well, we just got through reading the whole purpose of what God's doing is to what? That you're above all other people in the earth. You're going to be unto me as a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. But what are they doing? They're down here. What's interesting is the people that come out of Egypt and witnessed what God did are already going back to that. That's not even, that's within that generation. <laughs> so it's interesting as we see this. <clears throat> Notice. Verse 4. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he said, no, this isn't what we're supposed to do, right? That's not what he says. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Now he's talking about Jehovah there. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down, for thy people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. 
Again, the people who came out of Egypt, God says that they've what? Corrupted themselves. How? By worshiping this, this other God. Which, by the way, were the gods that they came out of that culture. Right? Just like what we see over in Judges, we see the same thing back there. The culture in which they were living, they're going back to that culture rather than what God said. So again, there's information that these gods teach which is different than what God with a big G teaches. Right? And what they're doing, rather than this, rather than waiting, they go back to what they've already known. Now, later on what happens is Joshua and all them, they get rid of all that stuff. But as we talked about in the last section, what happens is the next generation don't know God. They go, they go through the garbage bin and find these old teachings and start living based off that. So it's no wonder we see it happening today. It's happened forever. Well, if God did something in my life, I might go to church and start caring about the Bible. They didn't. They had God as their God, brought them out of Egypt, parted the Red Sea, brought them through on dry land, and they still went back to that. Now, Paul talks about put off that, put on. You can't put on while still having this on. Or put this on and think, man, that fit better. Right? And that's one of those things we've got to be careful of. But uh, notice, continue on. <clears throat> God says what? They've corrupted themselves. Verse, verse 8. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto. Question. Who did Aaron say they were worshipping and doing all this, the burnt offerings and the, the, the peace offerings? And, the, and all that, who is it that he said they were doing it for? Jehovah God, right? Aaron thinks, what we're doing, it's for God, Jehovah. What does Jehovah know about it? They're doing it for who? They have sacrificed therein too, and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. God says, they're not worshiping me. They're not doing peace offerings to me. They're not doing burnt offerings to me. They're not preparing this feast for me. They're doing it for who? Those other gods. We see that? Now, keep on going. Verse 9. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. You know another verse... Where, where somebody calls the, the, the people of Israel stiff-necked? How about Acts chapter 7 with Stephen? He says, you're stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ear. And what he's telling them is, you're just like those people 
that just got out of Egypt. Notice verse 10. Now therefore let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them. That doesn't sound like a good thing, does it? And that I may consume them and I will make of thee a what? Great nation. So it's interesting. We go down through here. What happens? Um, let's continue on. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wax or wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out? to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. You know what he's saying? If you do this, if you destroy the people, the Egyptians are going to say, well, that's just a, a vengeful God that's going to bring these people out, out of Egypt into the wilderness and just kill them all. That's what, that's what Moses says. Verse 13, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel... Notice there, it's not Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but it's Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. We know that God changes Jacob's name to Israel, so that's, that's one of those things that we can look at there. Notice, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and saidst unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and in all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. Notice, and the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Question. Does repent mean turn from your sin? That's the second time he repented. Yeah. It doesn't. That means to change your mind. Now, you take a look at modern Bibles. What do they do with that word repent there? They take out God repented. Mm -hmm. They change it. To what it should be, actually, is to change his mind. It's interesting that they do that. But that's one of those things. Now, as you go down through here, and we're not going to go through everything verse by verse by verse, but Moses goes down, what's he do? He throws the tables of, uh, of stone down on the ground because why? He sees all these people dancing. And here's what's interesting. <laughs> um, drop down to verse uh, drop it down to verse 18. Verse verse 17. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. And he said, It is not the noise of or the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome, but the noise of them that do sing do I hear. And it came to pass as soon as he came nigh unto the camp that he saw the calf, and the dancing, notice what happens to Moses. And Moses' anger waxed hot. Now, you find it interesting that God says, leave me, leave me alone, Moses, so that my wrath may wax hot, and I consume these people and make of thee a great nation. And Moses says, why would you do that? Don't be, don't be upset. But then what happens is he gets down there and what's he do? His anger is waxed hot. And he cast the, the tables out of his hands and break them beneath the mount. And he took the calf which they had made and burnt it in the fire and ground it to powder and strawed it upon the water. 
and made the children of Israel drink it. Now, you keep on going, and Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee? Thou hast brought so great a sin upon them. And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people, that they are set on mischief. For they said unto me, Make us gods which shall go before us. Uh, for as for this Moses, the man that, that brought us up out of Egypt, the land of Egypt, uh, we what not what is become of him. So what happens? What are they doing? They, they create outside, they're in the wilderness. Moses goes up in the mountain, talks to God, gets the Ten Commandments and all the information about the tabernacle and all that. He comes down and all these people down here, they have their little golden calf, right? It's the best calf I can draw. So they have their little golden calf down here, right? What's, what's Moses do? He comes down, kicks it over into the fire. He takes that, puts some straw in it, and then puts it in. He grinds it in powder, puts some straw in, uh, straws it about in the water, and says, drink it. What have they done? Well, they're over here. They've just come out. God says, I'm going to make of you a great nation, because that's what he told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We get over here in the wilderness, and they're doing this stuff, which is connected to these Gentiles' gods. Really what it is, they're over there, they're, they're really over dealing with some, some bell worship stuff. That's really what's going on. So all that bell worship stuff's been around for a long time. We saw it show up in, in Nimrod, right? Now, um... Um, no, Moses did. Oh, no. No. Um, so, so Moses, in verse 19, Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the table uh, out of his hands and broke them beneath the mount, and he took the calf which they had made and burned it in the fire and ground it to power and strawed it upon the water and made the children of Israel drink it. So it was Moses that did that. I wonder why. Um, it's a good question. That's something that would be a good study to find out why he made them drink um, that concoction of their of their god that they that they built up. Now, when we look over in Judges. We see the same kind of thing over there in Judges chapter 2. But I want us to look at something else real quick. Go over to, and, and we'll spend a little bit of time on this, probably the rest of this time. Because I want us to be able to see some things and make some connections to stuff. So go get Leviticus chapter 26. Leviticus chapter 26. Um, back in Deuteronomy, um, which we know is the second given of the law. God tells the nation of Israel, if you do these, then here's all these blessings, right? And if you don't do this, then here's all these curses. And one of the things we've talked about before is all the curses were a whole lot more than, than the blessings were. And that was, to me, was an interesting thing. Um, we see the same kind of thing show up here in Leviticus. And I want to spend just a few minutes here to set this up so we can continue on. With that, I told you all we'd get back to Judges 2. Um, I don't think we will. 
and also said read Judges 17, 18, and 19 um, last week, so we probably won't get to that, so we'll put that homework off to next week too. Uh, but we'll see some of that stuff go come along. Notice here in Leviticus chapter 26, because I want us to be able to see some things, and I want to point out some stuff today just to kind of get us ready for, for next week. Um, Leviticus chapter 26, verse 1. Notice, Ye shall make no idols, nor graven image, neither rear you up a standing image, neither shall ye set up any image of stone in your land to bow down unto it, for I am the Lord your God. Pretty, pretty self-explanatory, right? Yeah. Verse 2, Ye shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Now, notice this. If ye walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then I will give you rain in due season, and the land shall yield her increase, and the trees of field shall yield their fruit. And he goes on down through there um, with, with the different blessings. Um, drop down to verse 13. He says, I am the Lord your God, which brought you forth... out of the land of Egypt, that ye should not be their bondman, and I have broken the bands of your yoke and made you go upright. Now, what we see there is what? He's saying, if you do my commandments, you keep my commandments, you pay attention to my statutes, do my commandments, and then actually do, do this stuff, and you, you, you hearken to it and you do it. Here's some blessings, all right? Verse 14 but if ye will not hearken unto me, and will not do all these commandments, if ye shall despise my statutes, or if your soul abhor my judgments, notice, notice he says, if your soul abhor my judgments. Is it possible for your inner man to not like something, but your outer man can make it look like you like something? And that's what he's dealing with there. Not just, not just in the physical of you saying, well, I just don't like your judgments, but in your, your inner man. Notice, so that ye will not do all my commandments, but that ye break my covenant. Now, what I want us to think about, we're going to set the table for this. Here's what's going to happen. There's... pedestal for this whiteboard to be on. It's hard to write at the bottom. There are five courses of chastisement that, Mo, that, that we see here from Moses as he's writing Leviticus that we're going to notice that God's saying to the nation of Israel, this is what's going to happen if you don't hearken unto what I say. Notice, verse 16 to 17 is the first one. I also will do this unto you. I will even appoint over you terror, consumption, and the burning of you. That shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of your heart, of heart, and you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. And I will set my face against you, and you shall be slain before your enemies, that they, hate, uh, they that hate you shall reign over you, and you shall flee when none pursueth you. 
All right. So verse 16 and 17. So here in Leviticus 26. Verse 16 and 17, we've got this first chastisement. Now, what's interesting is, what we're going to find out is, that takes place, Judges through 2 Samuel. Alright, and he's talking about physical, physical issues there. So, when we're over in Judges talking about these things, that's where we are. Right? So, it's Judges through 2 Samuel. Um, 18, 19, and 20... And I'm not going to read all of these because we're going to look at these. 18 through 20, that's the second chastisement. And that's basically from 2 Samuel uh, over to 1 Kings, dealing with those things there. Uh, we see a lot of that stuff. The third chastisement is verses 21 and 22. All right, and that's that's really uh, like Second Kings chapter ten through Second Kings chapter sixteen. Second um, Kings chapter two, we see some of those things over in there. Um, verse twenty three, twenty four, twenty five, twenty six. That would be the fourth chastisement. Twenty-three through twenty-six, right? Yeah. And then twenty-seven through thirty-one. You've got that fifth chastisement, which we find out about over there in Second Kings chapter seventeen, somewhere around in there. And here's what's interesting. Part of, part of that fifth, by the way, we'll, we'll spend a little bit more time on this. Time's gone by today. We, what I want us to do is go late, take a look at those five courses to be able to see what's going on. And the interesting thing is what we've talked about before. Um, what, what we just read 16 and 17, and notice in verse 18, he says, and if you will not yet for all this, hearken unto me. So what I told you about the first course, if you still don't pay attention, notice. Then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. All right? So one of the things that we've talked about, we, we've mentioned this before. What happens is they're going to have this first course of judgment. And then if they don't change their mind, God's going to add that second course on top of the first course. It's not once this one's done, the second one takes place. It's the first and the second is going to be taking place at the same time. You get on down to verses 21 and 22. He says, and here's some more. If you continue to walk contrary to me and, and hearken not unto me, then he's going to add that. We get down here and he says, I'm going to add on the fourth one. And then he says, I'm going to add on the fifth one. Now, again, like I said, I want us to be able to spend um, a little bit, uh, a lot of time on these um, as we go through here in, in light of what we're dealing with back over here, right? So we start seeing this show up in Judges, which is where we are in Judges chapter 2, right? Right outside of Joshua, what happens is 
that next generation don't know God. They don't know the wonderful works that he did. And they're falling back into that Baal worship. Remember in Judges 2, we read that they worship Baal and Ashtaroth. Right? Of course, we didn't finish up in Judges 2, but we will. Um, so what they're doing is, what they're, they're going back to this just as these people did with uh, coming out of Egypt. And God's wrath was kindled against them there, and Moses talks him out of it, right? God repented. But what happens is he says, I'm going to do something, and nobody's going to stop it. Nobody's going to prevent me from doing it this time. And in fact, that stuff goes all the way through to the, through the tribulation period. Now, the interesting thing about that is, tribulation period is the time of Jacob's trouble and all that stuff, right? So we understand what's going on there. That's one of the reasons why it's important for us to know and understand about the pre-trib rapture. We're not going to go through that because we're not part of that five-course judgment. There's something else that's going on. God's taking care of idol-worshiping Gentiles through the death, burial, and resurrection of, the cross, of Jesus Christ in this dispensation of the grace of God. Now, again, there's a lot of stuff here, and we're just going to have to <laughs> grin and bear it, if you will, because um, there's a lot of stuff that I want us to be able to see. And then what I want us to be able to do is think about this stuff in terms of where we are now, right? If those folks saw what God did and they quickly went back to the culture in which they were in, how easy would it be for us to fall back into that culture? And that's really why we are in, our, in the United States. That's why we are where we are is because the church messed up a long time ago and didn't stick with uh, what they were supposed to stick with. And they really got back into bell worship is what it is. Mm -hmm. And we'll see that as we go through too. Um, but 